0: Hello and welcome to the Abundant Living Ecuador podcast. Uh, you're here with us on our inaugural podcast. My name is Jesse Bayer. I'm here with Darnell Dunn. Um, together, we're the co-founders and managing partners of Abundant Living Ecuador. Um, you know, and we hope to bring you a entertaining and more importantly, informative weekly podcast. Um, chatting about Ecuador. Uh, our experiences here, business opportunities here, our business um, for people who are looking for information on Ecuador, looking to relocate or invest in Ecuador. We hope that this is, you know, this is really aimed at you. Um, no production, no, uh, no, no production first time around. We may get to get to those in future dates, but um, here we are. So we just want to welcome you in. Thanks for being here with us. And um, this episode is going to cover really our story. Um, You know what brought us to Ecuador, how we got to this point, um, what we found when we came here, and you know sort of where we're at and and what the opportunities are here, and what you know what the process is like, and and really all things Ecuador. Um, So, Darnell, what? uh, Go ahead and introduce yourself, and uh, and we'll start.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, Thanks, everybody, again, for tuning in. Uh, My name is Darnell Dunn, born and raised in Boston, Uh, left a career in financial services as an investment consultant for about five years or so. And really, my reason for coming down here was just to have a different lifestyle than I had, Uh, working a lot, um, and felt that at that point, like, I was having to make a final decision or something that seemed final about what I wanted to do and where I was going to live. And I wasn't really comfortable with that direction so much. And at the time, Jesse approached me. He had been in my ear about doing a development here. In well, at first, it kind of evolved. It started with South America. And it, we ended up choosing Ecuador. And we moved down here a little bit over two years ago. Um to find a piece of property we ended up finding it and going through that process of the research we figured out that the process was a lot different than buying a piece of property in the states that there was a lot of people who were going to be looking to buy properties in south and central america over the foreseeable future and that we could really help them by not only having gone through our own mistakes and taken our own lumps but also having heard some horror stories from other foreigners who we had uh, met after coming here. So um, we started the real estate company, and um, the rest is history.
0: Yeah, I re- I, it's funny. I re- you know, you reminded me when you said that I remember talking to you at that time in the last several months when you were still uh, in Boston working for Putnam Investments and you know doing well, making good money, all of that. But I remember just how miserable you were <laughs> at that time before... Uh, before coming down here. And says it's interesting to have watched you over the last couple of years, just, you know, how much much happier you are, how much more you enjoy life. But um, yeah, I mean, I have a, you know, different but similar story. Um, You know, I was in New York City. I was investing in real estate. Um, I was pursuing an MBA. um, And, you know, my major impetus for, coming down here, um, was really twofold. Um, one, it was some things I didn't want to be around for in the States. Um, and then secondarily it was, or not secondarily, but you know, the, the other reason, um, was that I was the project that you mentioned. Um, so, you know, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, very, you know, very big change, made the, made the choice. Uh, we, you know, we came down and I guess it was the end of July, right? July 31st, I believe. Yep. Uh, 20, would have been 13. Um, and we spent three weeks traveling around Ecuador. Um, we saw a good piece of the country, you know, not, not the whole country, but a good piece. Got a good sense of the coast, the, the mountains, the various regions. Um, you know, that was an eye-opening experience for sure. Um, settled in the south. Um, you went to, you settled in Loja, which is a, you know, city of about 200 to 250,000 people here in, here in southern Ecuador. Um, I settled in Vilcabamba originally. I live in, I live in Loja now as well, but I settled in Vilcabamba, which was, uh, which is about 35 to 45 minutes outside of Loja by car. Um, and as you said, we went through the, the land, you know, the land search process, which, yeah, it really opened my eyes as well. Um, I mean, I think we both had the same experience in terms of, you know, doing the due diligence on various properties, looking for various properties. It's just so different. Um, you know, no title insurance in Ecuador. Um, <clears throat> no, you know, the due diligence process is very different. Uh, uh, chain of ownership, you know, ownership chain is, is different. So you can have Uh, owners who may have a claim on a, on a property that isn't immediately obvious when you're, when you're, you know, checking out the title or researching it. Um, you know, you've got protected land here. You've got land that, you know, if you don't, if you don't go check with the, with the ministry, uh, that, you know, covers that particular, um, you know, protection, government protection that could be on the land, um, you could, you know, we've heard, we obviously known people that, that this has happened to, you could purchase land that's in a protected area, you know, can't build a road, can't build a house, can't, can't build on it. So, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, and also, I guess, I guess really also Darnell, for us, you know, from my perspective, from both of our perspectives, there was just such a lack of information. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff that we had researched in the, or in, you know, in the States prior to coming down was either inaccurate, incomplete, or, you know, or just old. Um, And so, you know, we wanted to fill that void in terms of providing quality, reliable information on uh, this area. And then also that, you know, the access to properties. Um, There's a few websites, you know, in Southern Ecuador where you can, you know, you can see listings. But, you know, to have, there's no broad marketplace. There's no real place where buyers and sellers can find each other, um, especially foreign buyers. Um, you know, we, we had good laughs, uh, <laughs> when we were, you know, doing the projects like, well, we've okay, had a lot of laughs lot since of laughs. we've been here. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah, I mean, how, how do you look for properties? It's like, you know, well, Hey, you come to us, but prior, prior to that, how do you look for properties? You, you go into the towns and you talk to people, you know, you talk to taxi drivers, you talk to people in the towns and you know, obviously that's just a very inefficient way to, to buy and sell properties. It's lousy for sellers because their market is very limited and it's lousy for buyers because it's hard to find properties. So, you know, we, we, and also, I mean, obviously I need, you know, we should touch on, um, you know, the relocation services stuff, you know, yep. we also, we also went through the processes of, you know, getting cell phones, you know, yeah, you, you, that sounds easy, right? It's different here. Yeah. Uh, or bank accounts, bank accounts right <laughs> you know, visas, bank accounts, uh, you know, all, all of those things. Um, so, you know, we went through all those processes, as you said, took our lumps uh, in, in a few of them, but, you know, m- created all those relationships and, you know, m- that stuff is very easy now. You know, we've been here a couple of years. We we're integrated into society. We yeah. speak Spanish. You know, those things are very easy now. Yeah. So we set up a company really to make all of those processes that we sorted out ourselves, uh, you know, more standardized and streamlined and really just easy for people who are coming now. You know, who want to work.
1: With yeah. Us. So I mean, the idea is really that after being here for two plus years, that when you come here and work with us, it's like you've been here for as long as we've been here.
0: Yeah, right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's funny how different some of those things were. I, mean, I remember, you know, we were in, we were in Quito, we flew into Quito um, and, you know, we wanted to open bank accounts and we wanted to get a safe deposit box. And, you know, coming from the States, you know, those two things are really easy.
1: Oh, which by the way, that a lady from that bank called me the other day to tell me that she was going to take money out of the account to pay for that. That was the first time that happened in two years. So I don't know that they've charged us before that time.
0: The, the one in uh, Cuenca. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so we're in, we're in Quito and we, you know, had some valuables we wanted to put in a safe deposit box and we wanted to open bank accounts because, for visas down here you need you know for any permanent visa any residency visa you need a bank account so we go to get bank accounts and you know i, I don't know we maybe hit five or six banks and not only you know not only could six, we, six yeah, <laughs> i remember it well you remember it well you know not only could we not get visas or excuse me not get bank accounts but it was also impossible to get a safe deposit box um, people laughed at us People laughed at us, right, in, in our in our pathetic attempt at Spanish at that time. So, I mean, it's, it was just, you know, it's just an example, but it's really a, it's a telling example in terms, of, uh, you know, as far as the differences down here with those things. You know, now, you know, you or I can walk into a bank or walk anybody into a bank and get them a bank account in two seconds. But... At that time in Quito, we found it impossible without those relationships. You know, we ended up getting a bank account in Cuenca through a lawyer. You know, who that we paid, a, we paid right. <laughs> who had a personal connection and got you know got us the, got us the accounts. But
1: you know, one thing yeah, that yeah. I I think we should mention at this point too, it's easy to forget because I think we did a blog post about it. But something that's interesting about the visa laws here is that they, as Jesse was saying, they charge. You know, that you need a visa, or excuse me, to get a visa, you need a bank account, but you need to have been in the country for at least six months to get a visa. Oh no, I'm saying that wrong. But basically, the point is is that you need a visa to get a bank account, but a bank account to get a visa. Like one of the requirements is having, having had a bank account for a certain period of time, but you can't stay in the country long enough to do that without having, right. getting a, ha, without having had a visa, right. unless, of course, you know somebody.
0: Right, right. So, right, exactly. Our visa, the visa, you know, the immigration was telling us we need a bank account. The bank account was telling us, or the banks were telling us we can open a bank account once we have a visa. So you know, that was, that was right. As you said, unless you know somebody and then, you know, you just open a bank which account. which came first, the chicken or the egg. Right. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah, that was, you know, that, that was an interesting, interesting experience as for all of them. So, you know, we've, we've set up this company to make all of those things really easy for anybody who's relocating here. So, you know, whether you're looking for short term housing, you need, you need to deal with your visa. You need to deal with legal matters. You need to open a bank account. You need to get a cell phone. Um, you know, we just, you know, we, we, we will help you out with those kinds of things if, if you're purchasing through us. And then we also have a standalone, uh, standalone relocation services option, but anyhow, um, so yeah, I mean, what, uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about this particular part of Ecuador Ecuador in general, this particular part of Ecuador, what, you know, what brought us here? What, you know, what are the things that stand out to us both good and bad about living here and about, you know about this part of the world, you know, most people who are listening to this or researching this probably have not been here, right. um, and, you know, we, we're a couple years in, it's like we're very, you know, now it's, it's sort of we're forgetting how yeah. the things that, you know, stood out so much at the yeah. beginning.
1: Forget the stuff that stand out, and also you, just the way that people go about doing things is different, the kind of cultural shock that you experience, you know, things like You know, going to the bank and asking them for a bank account, and they're like looking at you like you've got ten heads, and you're like, "This takes twenty minutes back home." (laughs) What's wrong with this? What's wrong with this picture? And that—that I think is—is the thing that you forget most, because I think for the most part we've adjusted to the pace of life here and how things are done, and sometimes it's—it's hard to put yourself in the put yourself in the in the shoes of somebody who's never been here and. Somebody being like, well, why can I do this? And being frustrated. I had a conversation with a, a guy the other day. Um, it was actually Ben who was mm-hmm. here the other day. And I think he really said it well. He was saying, you know, when you come to a place and you don't know the language and, you know, this person that you're with is your first, you know, is your first point of contact. And they're telling you something that doesn't make sense in communicating in another language. Your first
0: instances to be like, oh, somebody's trying to screw me. Yes. 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 And I've, you know, I, I've seen that a lot. You see that with people, you see, uh, you know, foreigners getting upset in those kinds of situations because they think that the people are, you know, sort of trying not to help them. Mm-hmm. And that's just almost never the case. Um, but yes, that's, a that's very, that's very spot on. I've noticed that, um, quite a bit. Talk, Donald, talk a little bit about, um, the differences from your perspective in terms of coming from, you know, you were in financial services, you know, squarely in corporate America. Um, you know, I, I think you were working at that time, you know, 10, 12 hours a day, mm-hmm. at least five days a week. Um, I, remember, I remember you used to get up, you know, 5 a.m. to get ready for the day, mm-hmm. um, you know, to be at the office around 7 or 7.30 or whatever it was. You know, talk a little bit in, about the differences in terms of, you know, your transition from that sort of lifestyle and what that meant to you. And then, you know, now being here a couple of years, you know, obviously we have our own business and we're working very hard, but just in terms of, um, you know, those differences, you know, culturally, but also just lifestyle wise for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'd say that the biggest difference in lifestyle, which was one of the things that I was really looking for, but I had a hard time putting words to at the time was just not having to do things for show, not having to, you know, send an email at a certain time at night to show my boss that I was, you know, being productive, <laughs> you know, those kinds of things. Um, you know, here you, you know, we work hard, obviously. I mean, it's sometimes, you know, I'm not working any harder here than I was there I'm working very hard, but, you know, at times you don't have to always, working hard means getting results, not showing people that you're getting results, which are two different things. So if I want to take you know, if I want to walk into the office at 11 o'clock on a certain day or leave at a certain time, um, all I need to do is what I need to do. I don't have to, you know, punch the clock. Um, so that's the biggest difference for me. And also the, that, and also travel, you know, living in an apartment right above the office is, it's pretty convenient as well too. So I'd say those are really the biggest, the biggest things is just having, um, and then also, you know, having a, A business here where you're really focused on results as opposed to, you know, other stuff like we're doing. We're, you know, living in a foreign country, having a business, being able to help people who are trying to do the same things that we're doing, you know, either buy a property, start a business, invest in Ecuador, which, you know, I think is I can't really picture a a place that's really better to live adjustment coming here, but. You know, man, I couldn't. It's it's hard to picture myself being more happy living in a place. I mean, it's it's got a lot of cool lifestyle benefits that I I think people are looking for and just don't know about it uh, for the most right. part. And you know, I you know, as we've talked about from the very beginning, one of our major goals with this company was just to really fill the information gap for people who are looking for what Ecuador has
0: to offer. Right, and you know, just to give people a sense um, so we rent out a really nice office space on um, the nicest street in Loha. Um, we're paying what uh, seven hundred. Seven hundred. Yeah, we're paying seven hundred a month. Um, Darnell lives upstairs in, um, you know, wh- what I consider one of the one of the nicer apartment buildings in Loha. Um, you know, are, are there some apartments nicer? Sure, but this is high end for sure for Loha. Uh, you're paying what three fifty? Three fifty a month. Three fifty yeah. a month. Um, yeah.
1: Two so, bedroom, one and a half bath, large, large, uh, living room, dining room area, kitchen, um, laundry room area, um, in subterranean garage.
0: Right. Right. So, you know, a lot of people have cost of living, uh, questions, you know, cost, cost of living here is, um, um, gosh, it's, I mean, I came from New York, um, which is obviously an expensive city, um, you know. Sticker shock in a good way. It's it's almost hard to spend money um, now. There's import taxes here, which um, you know maybe we'll get into that a little bit later in terms of some of the drawbacks of living here. But uh, there's import taxes here, so that makes certain things very expensive. If you want to buy electronics, if you know the ty- the tires for my truck, for example, four four new tires are over eight hundred dollars because they're imported. Um, so there's some 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 expenses here that you you would deal with, but yeah. in terms electronics. of electronics
1: electronics basically anything that's important anything
0: yeah exactly
1: which is exactly. a lot of other than you know food and you know your living costs because of rent right or things like that yeah
0: right but in terms of you know, i mean lunch lunch in ecuador pretty much throughout but certainly in where we are is between you know dollar 75 on the lowest end three dollars or 350 on the highest end you know average and low i would say is what 250 yeah
1: that's say that's it a- yeah
0: so you know, and that that's that's that includes you know a a meal, uh, soup, and a, and a drink you're getting for two fifty. Um, yeah,
1: we should talk a little bit about soup too. Soup is good. <laughs> soup is good. I mean, I've I, I've eaten more soup in the last two years than I had in my entire life up
0: up to that point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, some people get sick of the food here. I would say, um, you know, a lot of certainly a lot of rice and beans and a lot of meat um, would be your average kind of Ecuadorian, you know, cuisine. Um, but you know, I don't know. I like it. I think it's I think it's decent. But yeah, soup, soup, rice, beans, meat. If you like that, you're, you're, in, you're in good shape. Um, you came to the right place. You came to the right place.
1: But yeah, but you know,
0: also in terms of prices, I mean, gosh, for you know, for five dollars at the market. Um, you could get enough food to cook for you know a few days. Um, you're just it's 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 almost hard to spend money. Taxi taxi rides, for example, most most of the city is covered in a dollar taxi ride. If it if you get if you're going from end to end of the city, it's a little more. Um, yeah. I, you know, but no more
1: than I don't think from north to south you would pay more than five dollars in a right. taxi.
0: And that would be, what, like a, we're talking 20-minute ride or something.
1: Yeah, 20 minutes, maybe even a half an hour.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're if you're anywhere within, you know, the main areas of the city, it's a dollar. Um, you get into a, you know, 10, 15, 20-minute ride, it starts to go up a little bit. But that just, you know, gives you gives you a little sense of prices. Um, Not to
1: mention, I mean, the public transportation here is very good. It is very good. Yeah, with the buses. Um, you know, it's 30 cents to get on, get on the bus and go for as far as they'll take you or to the route ends.
0: So, right. And they come all the time and they're, they're all over the city. They have great coverage and they're safe. I mean, that's another thing. I think that's another concern or, or topic that comes up for people when considering central or South America is safety. Now, you know, is all of Ecuador completely safe? No. But statistically, it's much, 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 much safer than the United States. And this part of Ecuador is, I mean, gosh, it's it's hard to even for me to imagine how safe it is. I mean, there's just no crime. I mean, nothing happens. Nothing happens. The worst thing you ever could ever hear about would be like somebody, you know, gets into a house and, you know, takes a computer um, and that... You is extremely rare. I mean it's just there's just no crime, there's just no crime. Um you know, which is which is nice. I mean, I know you for example walk around the city, you know, all the time, you know, any any time of day, any time of night, anywhere in the city and without any concern for your safety.
1: Right. Yeah, all the time, you know, and at all times at night. And I mean, I've been to places like, you know, Machala on the coast, which you know, the coast is certainly a little bit more dicey in that way, but not you just have to be aware of yourself and not do any, anything that common sense wouldn't lead you to do. Um, but I would, you know, even there I've, you know, and I don't really know anybody and I feel perfectly safe walking around. Yeah. Now when you get out to Guayaquil and Quito, yeah, I've, you know, heard stories of people that I know personally getting, getting, you know, you know, having somebody, you know, take their phone or something like that, which, which, you know, certainly that happens, but yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, people get, you know, people get robbed on the street, you know, once in a while, but I mean, gosh, much, much less than back home. (laughs) Yeah. Much less than back home. Um, So yeah, very safe, very safe city, very safe area.
1: Um, You know, Jesse, one thing that I think um, now that we're on that, that, that is a question that comes up when I talk to people or get emails or calls in the office is, you know, what's it like for you having a uh, seven year old daughter here? You know, finding schooling for her, after-school activities. You know, yeah. Why don't you touch on that for a minute?
0: Yeah, sure. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I, I my daughter was, I guess, must have been five when we moved down here.
1: No, she had just turned six because her birthday turned, was in uh, July and then, July, then we came.
0: In July, right. Yeah. Right. I'm reminding you about your daughter's birthday. Yeah, I'm getting uh, I'm getting exposed here on air just just how bad I am with dates. But um, so so yeah, I had a just turned six year old daughter when we came down. Um, and yeah, obviously had to deal with schools and all those kinds of things. Now, I would say I would say your Ecuadorian public school is about like your U.S. public school, and obviously your U.S. public school in terms of quality, varies a lot by where you are. Um, And I would say here, you know, you'd be talking somewhere to middle of the road to slightly below in terms of your public school experience. Private school, you have a lot of options. Um, So, you know, my daughter goes to uh, what I consider to be the best private school in in Loja. I just got my bill for this year. It went up a little bit. I think I'm paying... Somewhere around 170 dollars a month. Um, just as a point of comparison, I was paying in New York for you know just a decent, okay, you know, private school, twelve hundred dollars a month. So you know, that's, <laughs> it's kind of indicative of some of those things. Um, and yeah, the after school, the after school stuff is fantastic. Um there's just there's any and um and I'm, again, I'm talking in Loha. So if you were in some of the smaller towns, you would have to travel to Loha to get a lot of these things, although some of them might might be there. but um you know, the after school stuff's fantastic. Loha is a city that's known for its culture in terms of music and arts. And so there's really a ton of ton of options in that way. My daughter, over the last couple of years at various times, has done, Ballet, uh, singing, dance, gymnastics, uh, she's currently in Taekwondo, um, she's done tennis, um, and I've been extremely pleased with all of those. Also, again, on the costs, just, you know, it's, it's come back to, it's just kind of hard to spend money here. Um, you know, I, I think uh, the most expensive program she ever did was like 30 or $35 a month um, in terms of her after-school programs. Uh, you know, bus picks her up in the morning, takes her to school. Um, Again, a lot of those, some of those things are just, they're just nice here in the sense that there's just not all of those. And, you know, this brings in a lot of other topics, maybe too much to cover just in this one podcast, but um, a lot of those things are just uh, much less pressure filled than they are back home, much less, you know, you don't have the sort of lawsuit mentality that you have back home, and as a result, it's just a lot easier to talk to people and deal with things. So the bus driver picks her up, drops her off. If I'd like the bus driver to drop her off at a different location, I just, you know, shoot him a text or give him, give him a ring, and he does so. Um, so, yeah, I, I've been, you know, I've been happy. You know, the kids, kids learn the language so quickly. My daughter is completely fluent in Spanish, speaks Spanish without an accent. It's uh, quite amazing. I'm a little jealous of her in that way. Um, so yeah that's been you know a very positive experience. Yeah you know
1: one thing that sticks out to me about that is that you've got the bus driver's personal cell phone number. Right. I mean, how many people at home have that kind of relationship with you know somebody like that. Right. So,
0: right. And those I mean those cultural differences I appreciate here. You know I think well, you know well we're well, getting into that. What, what what are some of the cultural differences that you don't appreciate about uh about about living? <laughs>
1: I would say you know all of them are pretty general um from what I understand just about Latin America in general it's just how people are with time
0: mm-hmm.
1: um which you know, you adjust to that just because time doesn't mean the same thing that it does back home, but you need some time here to figure that out. But yeah, I'd say the time thing for sure. Um,
0: in terms of just people not showing up. Yeah. Or being, people or being
1: late. Right. Nice. You know, you make an appointment with somebody, but you always have to call to confirm. So, you know, I think for most people, it's just a matter of you know, myself included, it's just a matter of measuring expectations. If you expect one thing and get another in a negative way, then, you know, you're, you know, you've got you're upset about it. You've got some negative feelings or, you know, you might be inconvenienced or you might have somebody who's, who you're attempting to do something for. And then you're relying on that person because they told you they were going to do something and then they end up not doing it and giving you some, some excuse that you find to be pretty trivial. Um, so that you know that that was frustrating it's not as frustrating now um what else do I find really frustrating about here it's like I you know I hate to sound like a cheerleader it's just that a lot of the things that are bad are just not that bad like they just they just are the you know the 10% of the things that I don't like are you know are just overshadowed by the I would say the 90% of things that I do like um but yeah i guess just in the interest of of, of explaining to other people who are, who would who would be coming here i think that the time thing is what what would bother a lot of people especially americans right and especially the kind you know the people who are of the age who are coming here or the biggest group of people who are coming to ecuador people who are close to retirement or are are already retired You know, that that generation of Americans is kind of like your words, your bond kind of thing. And, you know, you're gonna tell me you're gonna do this and you're gonna do it. Mm -hmm. And like that's kind of a hard adjustment when they meet in Ecuadorian. They're like, you know, hey, like let's go out for coffee at this time and they're like all ready to go. They're like at the place on time and you know, the Ecuadorian person doesn't show up or like you know, they and then they have to call that person and then the person's like, Yeah, you know, they're very like nonchalant about it or what seems to be nonchalant and they come over and they're like you know, they might show up 20 minutes later, or they might not show up at all. And then, you know, the person calls them and they'll give them, Oh, yeah, you know, well, my kid had this or, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, I had to do this or something like that. Like, let's do it for another time. And the person's, you know, it's kind of, yeah. I could see them finding it deflating, especially if they're, if that's like one of their only friends who are here, you know,
0: <laughs> it's like,
1: sure. yeah. So,
0: yeah, definitely a different relationship with time, Um, both in terms of, You know, just time in general, in terms of the things you're talking about, about showing up, but also just in terms of, um, you know, people people relate to money, not people don't relate to time as money here. So you know, you can you can ask of people's time and they'll give it to you very very willingly. Um, There's not that there's not the time as is money expectation, which has also been for me been definitely been a a change (laughs) and adjustment from coming (laughs) from from back home. Um yeah, I think um, you know, I think it, it's important to go through for people a little bit in terms of what our process was with uh choosing Ecuador and mm-hmm. then choosing this part of Ecuador. Um, you know, southern Ecuador is what we you know, we we went through a process, we looked at we you know, we're interested in South America. Um, we researched to some degree the entire the entire continent. Um You know, there's a lot of interesting places here You know, Brazil and Uruguay and Paraguay and Chile And and even Colombia And, you know, there's just a lot of of interesting places to be here Um, Part of the reason that we settled on Ecuador And ultimately southern Ecuador It doesn't have any of the risks uh, Or I should say it doesn't have the majority of the risks That some of the other countries have That um, ultimately, you know, for that reason were ruled out So no fault lines, no volcanoes, um, you know, uh, no nuclear energy facilities. um, Some, you know, year round warmth, um, some of the best soil and water in the world. um, You know, things, things here grow like I've never seen. Um, It's just, it's unbelievable how fast food grows and produces. And it's the size of everything. I think, I remember us. You know, when we were looking at all those properties in the first six months or a year that we were here, um, you know, I remember us just being so amazed with the vegetation and the size of the animals, like like ladybugs that are the size of your fingernail.
1: Or, or how things. about that guy's pit bull that he had? What was <laughs> it a bulldog? It was yeah, like I remember that. Yeah, and the other thing was at least one and a half times the size of the biggest bulldog I ever seen.
0: Yeah, and it sort of just seems like. It everything here is like that so, i mean just the i mean the, the the vegetation here the the growth is is just incredible
1: in the variety of things that grow as well too um yeah things that i you know that you normally don't see grown together here in just a it's it's And I mean, even between here and, you know, Mylokaltos, for example, which is, I don't know, maybe 35, 40 minutes away, Mm -hmm. um, completely different climate. You drop off about 2,000 feet in sea level and, you know, all of a sudden it's, you know, 10 to 15 degrees warmer Um, and, you know, it's essentially a tropical climate where you can grow all kinds of things, you know, the the two or three things that don't grow here, you can grow there. Right.
0: Right. Yeah, that's an interesting pe- thing. Also, for our listeners to know is that climate, or I should say, temperature in Ecuador is essentially controlled by altitude. So, the higher you go, the colder it is. The lower you go, the warmer. Um, are there, you know, little variances within that? Yes, but that's a that's the rule of thumb. Um, another thing that's I think it, interesting for people to understand is the uh, rainy and dry season. Mm-hmm. So. You know, depending on the altitude. Now, if you're there's certain altitudes generally. Well, well, if you're first of all, if you're in the rainforest. So, if you're in the Amazon, you know, the jungle regions, you're going to have year-round uh, warmth and year-round water, rain. Um, if you're in the Sierra, uh, depending on the altitude and depending on the topography, you're going to get a little bit different climates, but mostly they're dependent on altitude. So. We live in Loja, for example, around 65 to 100 to 7,000 feet above sea level. Um, We have year round green and we have basically two climates. Basically, you've got six months of a little bit warmer and a little bit drier and six months of a little bit colder and a little bit wetter, more wet. Um, The majority of Ecuador or the, excuse me, the majority of Southern Ecuador, at least in the mountains, Experiences a rainy and a dry season. Um, So for example, Darnell was just talking about Malakatos. That's a town uh, south of Loja that's, uh, yeah, what 40 minutes, 35, 40 minutes away. Um, It's also about 10 minutes down the road from Vilcabamba, which is a very popular international town. Um, those those have, gosh, I mean, near, near perfect climates. You're talking about uh, year-round temperature, you know, daytime high, oh, you know, 72 to 82, you know, year-round. Um, but they have two climates. So starting around uh, June, I guess, starting around June, it, dry, it starts to dry out um, and then stays dry until like a month from now, so about October. So the mountains that are, for the rest of the year, lush and green and, and, you know, look beautiful are brown for that period of time. It also gets windier and a few degrees cooler. So, you know, uh, you might get a daytime high in Vilcabamba or Malacatos Um, in the the dry season. You know, you might be more in the low to mid-70s whereas the rest of the year you're going to be more like the mid to upper 70s to low 80s um, occasionally. But, you know, obviously a pretty perfect climate, but very interesting in that way where you've got, you know, your period of the year that's the mountains are brown and your period of the year where your mountains are green and every, you know, everything looks lush and green. Um, Obviously water management becomes an issue in, in some of those places during the dry season. So if you're looking for properties in Ecuador, if you're interested in, you know, Growing food, but even if you're just interested in keeping your property looking nice, you know, you want to make sure you've got a year-round water source. Um, Anything you want to add on on, on that subject?
1: Right. Um, Well, the one thing I I think uh, just in terms of giving people an idea of what it's like being here, when we first got here, we were so confused about the fact that you've got people who have homes here in Loja, but also have a home in Malacatos or Vilcabamba. 40 to 50 minutes away um, the thing is though is that that distance isn't really indicative of how different the weather can be right um, and so people have their second home where they'll spend the weekends with their family where they've got a larger piece of land and they'll go out and you know barbecue or you know just spend some time in a warmer climate and um, a lot of times people have homes that are worth more than the homes that they live in you know during the week out there and they you know may spend may spend between, you know, 48 and six hours there per week.
0: <laughs> right. Maximum. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the land of microclimates.
1: Yeah, you know? for sure.
0: So it's like, I mean, we're in Loja. Um, we can drive, you know, 45 minutes to Catamayo and be in a much drier, much hotter climate, you know, almost desert-like. We can drive another direction, 35 minutes, 40 minutes to Malacatos, Vilcabamba area, Landongi area, and be in, you know, I I sort of describe it as like San Diego type weather, you know, basically just just 75 to 80 all year. Um, We can drive an hour in another direction and be in the rainforest. Um, And then Loja is a little higher and therefore a little cooler. Um, stays green year round, doesn't have the same type of dry season. In fact, the dry season here is, is basically opposite to the dry season, uh, in, in most of Southern Ecuador, you know, if you're in Vilcabamba and you keep going South, um, you know, eventually you hit Yungana, maybe, you know, 25 minutes or something, 20 minutes down the road. Mm -hmm. And that's much cooler and also stays green year round. Um, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes on that same road, before you hit Yangana, you get to Kinara. Well, that's extremely dry right now. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, it's just microclimate. I mean, we bought a pe- we bought a big piece of land that has three distinct climates on it. Um, and you could, if you want to decipher it out further, you, you know, just that one piece of land, it's really even four or five climates if you mm-hmm. want to get sort of, you know, more specific with it.
1: Yeah, or in Loha, I mean, from north to south. You go down in elevation and it's a completely different completely different climate you you can be in one part of the city and see another part of the city where it's raining but it's not raining where you are yeah or the sun can be out and it can be raining and not like a sun shower but like it's raining right it's raining and the sun is out right there's no clouds above you and there's rain there's rain
0: yeah it's very it's very cool watching the rain sort of roll through the city in different areas and it's yeah as you said very common you know, you're sitting in warm, sunny, dry area, watching rain in this part of the city or that part of the city.
1: Yeah. That you could walk to in 10 or 15 minutes. Like,
0: yeah. I mean, it, if that much, right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a question a lot of people always have, uh, about Ecuador and about coming here is obviously visa options. Um, excuse me, <laughs> purchasing, purchasing options in terms of real estate. Ecuador offers really. Great visa options. Don't um, no, no, Go ahead and go ahead and touch on uh, a few of those as okay. far as, as far as the residency visas.
1: Okay. Uh, so with the residency visas, um, you've you've basically I would break those down into three different categories. You have the professional visa, you have the investor visa, and you have the pensioner visa. Um, With generally speaking, with any of those, they have different requirements, but ones that they all have are criminal records that you'll need to get um, on the federal level from the FBI and then also from your state of residence. And you'll need to get that um, apostilled. So essentially um, a notary stamp that's recognized internationally. Um, So we would definitely recommend getting those done before you come here. Um, just to make the process as easy and simple and straightforward as possible. Uh, we have solutions if you need that, but some, they can be costly just because of the cost of shipping documents back and forth and things like that. Um, and also, you know, dealing with customs here is, is, you know, no small feat. So I try to avoid that, um, whenever possible. Um, with a pensioner visa, for example, um, Something specific to that visa is that you'll need um, proof of your ability to sustain yourself financially, which Ecuador um, considers to be a pension of at least $800 a month. Uh, with an investor visa, there's a couple of different ways that you can do that. You can purchase a property... Or um, buy a bank CD that has a value of at least three, or excuse me, thirty thousand uh, dollars, and with that you can apply for a um, foreign investor visa. In uh, in the case of a professional visa, the Ecuadorian government has a list of approved uh, u- colleges and universities in per country, and uh, if you have a, a degree from any one of those. Countries and Ecuador wants you um, to come here and presumably um, add your expertise that you have to their economy. And with that, um, getting your having that degree that's on that list apostilled and bringing it here, or if your university isn't on there because they don't have all of them, if um, there's a process that you can go to, go through, excuse me, to register that. And, um, and with that up and get that apostilled and then apply. Um, so those are really the, the biggest components. The other components are just things like having at least six months of validity on your passport. Um, and those kinds of things can all be done here fairly easily, but getting the documents that you need from your home country apostilled in here are the most important parts. and, and the other small logistical parts we can always get set up here fairly easily
0: yeah um yeah i mean the thing that that jumps out at me with with the visa options is just uh how low the bar is i mean it's just really easy to it's just really easy to immigrate here um you know i mean darnell you for example you're on a you're on a professional visa right you know what 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 did you you know what what you went through to 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 take care of that it meant you know showing that you had a college degree (laughs) (laughs) which you know who in the united states doesn't have one of those right? right So, you know, you have a college degree, you're now, you're now a resident, Um, you know, three years later, you can apply for citizenship and you get your passport. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, and and obviously the pensioner's visa for retirees or people, you know, who have a pension of any sort is obviously a great option as well. But I mean, yeah, most people have a college degree. So, you know, I mean, you know, you have a college degree, you can come to Ecuador and get, and get your, you know, your, your Cedula, which is your, you know, national ID card.
1: Yeah, the um, other thing about that, too, is that it's such a low bar for just getting into the country. I mean, with a it, there's maybe 10 countries who need an actual visa to come here. Everyone else, they just present their passport and they're allowed to be in the yeah. country for at least
0: right. and um, that certainly three applies, months. And that certainly applies to any of the, quote, Western countries, right. you know, U.S., Canada, Europe. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think the the countries on the list are, that you can are like maybe Iraq and Iran and like Kazakhstan or something like that. Right. It's a it's a very short list, and and even if you're coming from one of those countries, which I've met some people who have come from yeah, those yeah. countries, it's fairly easy to get a visa at that point.
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, and and it's, if you're looking at, you know, that's really a major hurdle for people if they're looking at relocation or investment options, I mean, you know, which is just not a hurdle here. The other thing I think is, you know, interesting in those ways, is if you're an investor and there, and there's certainly some drawbacks to investing in Ecuador, but if if you're an investor, um, you know, there's no, no barriers to foreign ownership of anything. Um, There's no export barriers whatsoever. So if you, you know, in fact, they encourage them, so if you, um, you know, if, well, as, as I said, most countries do, but <laughs> if you, uh, come here and you, you know, want to set up a business, you know, some sort of export business or some sort of, some sort of business, um, you know, you're not going to have any issues being a foreigner and getting that done. Um, and you know, you're, you're, you're doing it in an environment where your cost of doing business in terms of energy costs and those sort of things are just exceptionally low. Um, yeah, no. Energy.
1: I mean, Ecuador is the smallest producing um, member of OPEC, um, and they subsidize oil and gasoline. So you can you can buy a diesel truck and, and buy a gallon of diesel for a dollar and three cents. Right. Think you have a yeah, you have a diesel truck that yeah. maybe. You know how much does that cost you to fill? Like twenty bucks or something like that. Almost always, yeah.
0: Between uh, about seventeen fifty and you know, and nineteen fifty a tank of gas for for a four by four diesel truck.
1: Yeah, premium gasoline is two dollars and twelve cents. So you know, some of your that's you know something that that makes you know operating a business in terms of cost in a lot of ways fairly low if you're not dealing with um, you know importing importing stuff um you know your your fuel your um your energy cost um rent are all fairly reasonable
0: right right yeah and there's just you know uh, one of the the stories and i didn't know this when i came here but one of the things that i've come to um you know has really struck me about the story of ecuador yeah, from a business from a business standpoint this is not you know for if you if you just want to live here it's a great place to live but if you're you're looking at it from a business standpoint or an investment standpoint. Um, you know, Ecuador had a currency collapse in 2000.
1: 2000, they they dollarized. Right. The um, okay. it started a little bit earlier, but right. that's that was kind of the crescendo.
0: Okay. So 2000, um, you know, as a result of the Sucre uh, collapsing, they dollarized. So they're on the they're on the U.S. dollar as the official currency now. Um, you know, we're in 2015, so that was only 15 years ago. Um, they also had, you know, quite a bit of political instability um, in a similar similar stretch of time. So we're talking about a country that's um, new in terms of having monetary and political stability. Uh, as re- and also, uh, I guess, you know, another very important piece of that is the infrastructure. Uh, Ecuador has invested something like seven or eight billion dollars in the since was it 2007 yeah 2007 Uh, since 2007 in infrastructure so the world uh, excuse me the roads uh, the systems of electricity and water and sewage and and all those kinds of things the airports the ports are just as good as you'll find anywhere in the world Um, and so you've got that sort of confluence of events happening all within the last number of years and as a result of that you just—it's just a new market, so so there just there just has been you know there's just a, there's just uh, insufficient capital here for the opportunities. So if you're looking at if you're looking at a country to invest in, you know, can you, you can go to Brazil, you can go to Chile, you can go to some of these other places that maybe are more established, but um, you're going to be competing with a lot more people, and you're going to be dealing you know with with it, which is fine, but you're going to be dealing with a more established market in Ecuador those same opportunities that you would find in those other countries exist and they exist with less competition and at a cheaper price. Um, so for me, like, that's, one of, that's really one of the most interesting stories, one, one of the most interesting parts of the story about Ecuador um, because it has all that infrastructure and, you know, it's got some of the cheapest arable land uh, in the region. It's got, you know, amazing amount of water, minerals and so forth. And there's just not a whole lot of investment capital.
1: Right. And think about you know the opportunities here from even a tourism perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a country that has all these different climates. I mean, has all these different climates where you can get from the Amazon the Amazonian region to the coast in in I don't know six hours in a car. You know, you can fly from one end of the country to the other um, for you know as cheap as seventy dollars as cheap as
0: well yeah round, yeah. Trip.
1: yeah round trip so um you know this country has you know the world famous Galapagos islands that you know a lot of people when i left home didn't know was part of ecuador in right. fact i didn't know. i didn't know that <laughs> <laughs> and there's so many other incredible tourism destinations that you know rival many of many many others across south america that people know they just don't they're just not internationally known here. Um, so from a tourism perspective, I mean, this is this is just a huge opportunity because there's just so much to see. You've got, it's the most, it's got the most animal species per, per square foot or per square meter in the world. Yeah. Um, you can just see so much here. And, you know, for people who want to surf, for people, yeah, I mean, really adventure tourism, hiking. Rock climbing, bird watching. Yeah. Um, this is this Brand is one of the zone. yeah. This is one of the premier places in the world. Um, in just uh, in,
0: it's just here at a discount price. Yeah. Hot springs, jungle jungle adventures. You know, lots of indigenous all over. Um, yeah. No, exactly. Um, and and again, you know, there's not a, not a ton of competition in a lot of those things, and a, and a growing market. Um, so, you know, a place that's really being discovered. And that's really, for us, the thing, you know, why we settled in this part of Ecuador, in, the, in southern Ecuador, is is it's the least discovered part of the country, the least populous part of the country, and maybe, uh, well, from our perspective, really the, the, the nicest part of the country. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we're kind of in the in the uh, least discovered part of an under-discovered country that's, right. you know, trending in the right direction
1: and has all the infrastructure in place already right to um it's not like there's something that we're waiting for oh this would be a great good opportunity if they build a road here it's no it's just a matter of this will be a great opportunity once enough people know about it and they come <laughs> yeah
0: and, and and they are coming i mean and, and if you you know <clears throat> cuenca which is a great city um it's a city about three hours from loha by car um great city you know it's the it's the destination for retirees now it's it's it may be the most popular retiree destination in the world um,
1: if not it's certainly top five and it has been that way for the last five consecutive years
0: yeah so most people most people go to Cuenca it's a great city I mean I think both you and I enjoy Cuenca um, Cuenca is also in the, in the southern southern part of Ecuador um, part of the you know we didn't go to Cuenca because it you know didn't have all the things you're looking for, including climate, you know, it's, yeah. it's cold. Uh, it can be pretty cold in Cuenca and it can get cool in Loja as well. But you, if you don't want cool, you know, you don't have to go very far um, to outside yeah. of Loja.
1: I think, you know, how I like to describe it is the city of Cuenca is much nicer in any way you can imagine than the city of Loja. But this, the province of Loja is in my mind offers a lot more opportunities and, and options for climate, for growing, for lots of other things than the province of Asway where Cuenca is.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think I you know I agree with that completely. Um and and, and even just comparing the cities and, and you're absolutely right. Cuenca is it's a prettier city. It's got a lot more um it's got a lot more just to offer in terms of restaurant stores amenities those kinds of things but then you know you have the flip side of that there's a lot of traffic in cuenca there's not in loha mm-hmm. um and you know loha is a little bit cheaper both in terms of purchase and 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 rental right um and it's warmer so okay. there you know it has it's a it's definitely a, a trade-off um on those kinds of things between cuenca and loha which i which right. i consider two great cities
1: Yeah. The other, the other thing too, I think that's kind of a trade off for some people is the expat community. Right. Cuenca has got one of the, has the largest expat community in all of Ecuador. Um, And so, you know, for people who are looking for to connect with an expat community, that that's going to be a better fit for them. Whereas here in the city of Aloha, there's not an expat community to speak of. Um, I know of foreigners here that I've never met before. And I've had people come into town and say, hey, do you know so-and-so or do you know so-and-so? Nope. Never heard of them or have heard of them and haven't met them. So I think that you know here it's more so a group of people who are integrating more into the culture here right. um, yeah. because there's just not an expat community to speak of. There's not that infrastructure that's in place. Um, there will be eventually as people come into town, but it hasn't really been, been formed yet. And I think that's, that's probably the largest cultural difference between these two cities as it uh, stands today. Yeah.
0: And I think, you know, I think that, I, um, you know, obviously you nailed it. I, mean, I would say, and there's you know, nothing, nothing but a guess, but just from, you know, living, living and doing business in Loha, I would doubt there's more than a hundred or 200 expats in Loja, you know, right now, living in Loha right now. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I would say you know, I mean, even a hundred would be a high number. I would say. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I mean, and that's you know, six months ago it might have been twenty. Um, if so, that, if that, so I mean, we, it's a, it's, a, and it's, 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 an interesting place because it's there's no, there isn't foreigners, but they do seem to be coming now. Yeah, um, and I and I expect that to pick up greatly yeah. over the next period of time.
1: So many people just passing through and checking it out, both people that I've just seen in the street. Um, people that I've just, you know, struck up a conversation with, uh, in addition to people who have called us specifically and told us that they were coming into town and, you know, asked to, to have us show them around and see properties and things. So, um, they, that, there's a big wave of people who are, have expressed interest in coming here. And I expect in the next, you know, if we're talking in the next six months that, that that expat community could very easily double, um, yeah,
0: or even you know even multiply by five, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I think those trends are very very clear at this point. Um, and you know that's interesting for people because if you're you know some people obviously are just looking to retire, they're just looking for a place that you know their money stretches. But also a lot of people are looking for you know are younger or are looking for you know a, a place where they can start a business or or you know or you know live their life in some sort of more robust way than just, you know, stretching their, stretching their dollar. And, you know, for me, Aloha is interesting in that way because of those trends, because there are no businesses really that serve the expat community to speak of. I mean, there's a few restaurants, you know, a couple of things here and there, but in terms of, uh, if you were coming here now and you were looking at businesses that are going to serve the growing expat community, Gosh, you're, you know, you'd really be in the sweet spot in the next right. six months or a year.
1: I mean, think about just having, just think about short-term rentals. How many people contact us saying that they want to get to know Aloha, but they, you know, they want to just check it out for three months? Well, you know, good luck finding somebody who's going to rent you a place for three months. Um, you know, an Ecuadorian landlord. But if there was somebody who came here to serve that purpose, you know, gave people. You know, one, two, three-bedroom apartments that were furnished. Um, they would, they would have a very, you know, they'd have a thriving business for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, one thing, you know, almost, almost a warning or at least, you know, piece of advice to people, you know, having, uh, well, you know, both you and I didn't speak a word of Spanish when we moved here. Um, you know, we both speak the language now. Uh, you know, well enough to to do business and and you know, live our lives. Um, one thing I would just, I would just say to people who are considering, you know, whether it's Ecuador or, or, or somewhere else, uh, in in Latin America, if you're, if you're thinking about coming here and, and settling here and living here, you've really got to change your mindset a bit in terms of, um, your way of, you know, your way, your way of life basically. And you you really have to be willing to take on the cultural stuff and the language. Um, you know, do I, I, you know, do lots of people in Cuenca and Vilcabamba come here and never learn Spanish? Yeah, um, but I would I would really say that your quality of life is much improved if you if you do learn the language, and especially
1: I, in a place that doesn't have uh, an existing expat community. Right, right.
0: Like like Loja and almost any other town outside of Vilcabamba in southern Ecuador. So so you know, come if you're going to come here, you I, I would I would um, suggest you to really. You know, be willing to to accept the cultural differences that you're going to find here. Integrate, make friends, learn the language. Um, you know, and do those do those kinds of things as opposed to as opposed to coming here expecting to live your life exactly as you lived it in in wherever you're coming from.
1: at a discount price.
0: And, right, <laughs> right, right. Which is which is the mindset I think of of you know a lot of people.
1: Right, and that's certainly I think one of the trends just driving the interest here is that you know you can you can live the lifestyle that that they told you that you could live in the united states on social security in 1950 here here yeah, right and actually do that
0: yeah which you can't yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's it's, it's true. Um, right. that's true um that's true but yeah i would 100 percent agree a, a change of mindset in that in that um in that way will do people a lot of good yeah so should we leave it there
0: yeah yeah let's wrap it up um you know, www.ab, that's A as an apple, B as in boy, ecuador.com. Probably should have gotten that in much earlier and many more times. Yeah, well, you know,
1: it's the it's the first run here, <laughs> exactly. the first run. So we'll, we'll get better as we go along. We appreciate all you guys for tuning in and uh, tune, in, tune in again next week. Um, also, I'd encourage everybody here to get on the website, sign up for our newsletter, uh, we're sending those out regularly and for anybody who wants to speak with us live and direct you can reach us toll free at 888-999-0948 948 thank you 888-999-0948 <laughs>
0: that's the one and yeah and uh, you know we wanted to do a little introduction show and you know sort of cover the broad scope of of our transition and Ecuador and all that. I hope we did an okay job at that. In the future, we'll be covering more specific topics. So we'll be doing a show on, for example, visa options or investment options or those kinds of things. And we'll also start having guests in the future. So you'll be able to hear from, you know, other expats in Ecuador or, or local attorneys who, you know, have experience in the things that you're interested in, such as vi- business or visas and, and those kinds of things. So we hope to, um, you know, hope to bring you informative shows in the future. All right. Everybody, thanks again for tuning in. We'll talk to you later. Bye.